and Condon. Ken Miller. Trent Condon. Miller and Condon on 1460 KXNO. And now on 106.3 FM. All right, good morning, everybody. Welcome in. Miller and Condon on a Tuesday, Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO, 106.3. On the FM dial is Trent Condon and Ken Miller and a chance to win money coming up. Uh, that text to win promotion is back. We will do that a couple of times, uh, during our program here today. We will get to it. Oh. 10.20, 10.25, somewhere in that uh, uh, that window. And likewise, in the 11 o'clock hour, you know the drill, 200, 200. We'll give you the keyword, and we'll do that here a couple of times during our show. And then Murph and Andy, I've got one. The Fanatics, likewise, here today as this contest goes, I believe, until the end of July. Uh, so hopefully KXNO will have a couple of winners uh, during that period of time. BMW of Des Moines guest list looks like this on a back to Tuesday. Uh, Scott Dockerman will join us at the bottom of the hour. Wrote a really informative piece, a piece that uh, a lot of people who grew up in eastern Iowa had no idea. What are you talking about? They played NFL football uh, in Iowa at that time? Yes, they actually did. And Scott Dockerman wrote about it. Uh, It's a good read. It's a long read. But uh, if you like football, if you like good journalism, uh, I believe you're going to enjoy that piece on the Rock Island Independents who played in were the Bears' first rival. The Bears. Did you read the piece? I have not read the piece, but I do know a little bit of the history. Years ago, I read a book um, talking about some of the greats of NFL lore. You know, guys back at the Bronco Nagurski. That was the biggest kind of component of it. And hearing the stories of that. And yeah, make their way to the Quad Cities to play. Uh, 2000 or 2000, 1919. They were the world champions, the Rock Island <laughs> Independents. So we'll do some on that, but we'll do a lot on the Hawks and the Big Ten, uh, etc. With our friend Scott Dockerman, Matt Snyder's back from vacation. We will uh, toss the baseball around with Matt Snyder from CBSSports.com. He'll join us at 11:05, and then the I Cubs are back home. Want to get Randy Wayhofer in for a couple of reasons. Want to find out about the team. Want to find out that there's anybody down here that looks as though they've got a major league talent uh, written all over them. Certainly Cubs fans are hoping that's the case, but it's also a pretty cool event uh, taking place uh, at Principal Park tonight. Uh, the naturalization ceremony when a number of immigrants will be sworn in and become American citizens. Um, I've always wanted to see it. And one of these years, darn it, I'm going to get down there and just I want to sit and just look at the joy on their faces uh, when they, in some cases, fulfill a, a you know, it makes their lives better to become an American. Um, and I want to watch it, and it'll happen tonight. And it's been going on for a while. I think I saw a piece uh, yesterday, 300 and just shy of 400 um, people have been sworn in as American citizens at Principal Park since they've been doing this. So we'll do that with Randy Wayover coming up about 11.30 or so as we take you until noon. Well, back at work on a Tuesday, a lot of sports to recap. Let's recap the weekend. First of all, it was... um Weather couldn't be any nicer, mm-hmm. right? Maybe a little cooler, but uh, you can't have everything. It was it was a really good weekend, and you know what? I think where the holiday fell on a Sunday, with the majority of us not having to go to work on a Monday, 
And if the fireworks kept you up, which I'm assuming if you live in central Iowa, they probably did. Yep. But then last night, I mean, could you imagine if last night was the fourth and back to work today? Oh, yeah. That's going to be the case in 2022. So the where the, where the holiday fell was great. And it was loud. And there was a lot of folks, Trent, at least seemingly to me, uh, just maybe missed last year. Mm-hmm. Maybe, you know, for, well, <laughs> for a multitude of reasons. No, <laughs> only one major reason, the pandemic and wanted to get out and and celebrate the uh, the country's birthday, and then they did. In a big time way. Oh, gosh. So we kind of tried to do a little bit of everything because we missed it last year. And last year would have been Jack's first 4th of July, first 4th out. Didn't get to do the parade. Didn't get to go to the pool. Didn't get to play outside in the sprinkler. So we did it all. Nice. It was just one of those weekends. Our, our friends invited us out to the country club, got to go there. They always have rides set up for the kids. That was awesome. Golf? Yeah. yeah. That's nice, isn't it? Really, really cool Is the setup. pool open? Maybe maybe for some people, right. not not for people like us, right. but got a chance to go out there. And, and as always, thanks to the Jarks for inviting us because it's a great time. Awesome for the kids. Free rides. I mean, just hop on. Perfect. Don't need a ticket. Just get on mm-hmm. and do the rides. We did everything. We hit it all. Got to have a couple of beers. Got to sit in the sun. Got to sit in my kiddie pool in the backyard with my shirt off. And Perfect. Nobody had to see me. It was absolutely the embodiment of a perfect 4th of July weekend. It almost feels like one of those weekends. Why can't we just make it that roving holiday like we have for Labor Day and Memorial Day instead of actually being on the 4th of July? Mm. That first Monday of July every year yeah. you get off, you know, something like that. Because the three-day weekend, it was perfect. No, it really was. It was It was a fun time. Fireworks were good. Uh, you couldn't miss them. No. I, I mean, I sat and looked out the living room window, went on my driveway, and... It's just, honestly, Trent, I got tired of it. Yeah, right. <laughs> right? I mean, how long can you watch, right? And it was like, and I'm not, I'm not, I'm not knocking anybody for doing it. I have fun. Mm-hmm. It doesn't bother me one bit. But there was just almost too much. Yes. Like after 30, 40 minutes, it's like, well, what, what's going to change, right? There's going to be an explosion in the sky. It's really cool. But um, yeah, it was fun. It was really, it was, it was a lot of fun. Kind but, of weekend that... Almost felt like we all needed, right? Yes, absolutely. Well put. I and think we all needed it. Seeing the videos of people younger than me having a little more fun, you mm-hmm. know, doing those kind of things, and good for them. I just, Smoking meat, right? Yeah, grilling, right? Whatever you drinking beer, uh, yeah, whatever your uh, idea of Americana in a perfect weekend was. I saw a lot of people uh, celebrated their perfect weekend. People out on boats, people doing their thing. Did you see the picture? Of the lake. I think it's such a kicker. You go into the lake. Okaboji with the boats oh, yeah. side by side by side. You could barely see water. Mm-hmm. It looked like a car dealership. You know where they put the cars. Sure. You know what I mean? Yeah. It was who had was it Randy Peterson tweeted it? I don't know who oh God, I wish I could maybe it was a register piece. But my God, I've never seen anything like it. There was no water real estate to be had. I saw the same kind of things, and I, I saw them at Clear Lake, too. It just boat by boat by boat and just the partying that was happening and everything yeah. else. Last year, you know, there were still people doing things, sure. right? But it just felt different. Mm-hmm. And regardless of what side of the aisle you were sitting on, it, there, I think there was a thought for all of us is, eh, all right, this one, though, no. open it up. Yeah. And it was opened up in a big-time way. It was perfect. It, it really was as good of a weekend without having a big trip attached to it. You know, right, having, right, it was right. just a fun weekend, and there's plenty of good sports, too, though. From a Cubs perspective, <sighs> very disappointing. There were dirt on them. Oof. Felt like we were going to put dirt 
also on Montreal. Right. Good for them last night. As late in it, it looked like mm-hmm. it was going to be over. Well, uh, when the big rig, Pat Maroon, scored to tie it up, a fourth liner at two apiece, you thought. And then Kucherov hit the post inside the waning seconds of the third period. Uh, and probably a couple of minutes left. And then uh, Shea Weber gets a four-minute penalty, two minutes uh, seemingly, I think there was, oh, I don't know, we'll say two minutes left in the third period, and it carried over. Mm-hmm. With that Tampa Bay power play, it's thought, oh, no, not like this, Montreal. You're going to go out with your best player uh, in the penalty box. Um, but they survived it, and uh, Josh Anderson scored his second of the night, and we've got a game five back in Tampa Bay. I'm good with it. Look, I thought it would be a sweep. Mm-hmm. I thought that, um, not that I wanted to be proven right, but uh, because more hockey's good. But the Cubs were not good. And no. if you want to go there, Trent, that's now 10 in a row. And the fact that we're seeing, I, I guess, I means Eric Sogard's awful, right? Mm-hmm. He's not a good player. No. But you know what? He'll go in in a blowout <laughs> and, and, and at least eat some innings, which is, is maybe his role on this team. But boy, oh boy. Remember... They had a no-hitter to start the road trip. I do. Combined no-hitter. It was a four-gamer against the Dodgers, and what a way to kick it off, Absolutely. You get a no-hitter. Here they go. They already swept the Dodgers early this season. Mm -hmm. They're trending back in the right direction. They're going to figure it out. Got their number. Mm. Three in a row. Yeah. Six in a row. Yeah. Ten in a row. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, that's um, that. That's where we're at with this team. They can't get. Uh, they can't get timely hitting. Um, you bet you know Eric Sogard. Yeah, here's a number for you. Okay, since June twenty fourth, June twenty fourth. Okay, Eric Sogard has made four appearances out of the bullpen. Mm-hmm. Craig Kimbrell's made one. <laughs> there you go. I mean, you, really? You want you want to button it down to a very concise point? Yeah, and, Cubs and, fans, that's all you need. And Kimbrell was not in a safe situation. Where did they throw him? They threw him in Cincinnati, Cincinnati the other yeah. night. I think. Yep. Uh, and here's the here's the maybe the I mean, Jake Arrieta pitches today. Good luck oh. against Nola, who's really good. Yes, he is for the Phillies. Um, th- this team this team is co- not going to um, look like it did to start the year and so, very quickly. Take it back to a month ago, even two weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Burritos. We, we were <laughs> we were fooled. Scherzer. They were 11 games over 500, and the, the bats had picked up, uh-huh. and the offense was doing enough. Yep. Starting rotation still wasn't great even at that time, but they were, again, doing enough. Well, the bullpen was unhittable. And it was unhittable. Yep. And the sustainability of these retreads, these right. not has-beens, a lot of never-knowns. Right. right. The sustainability is just not there. Uh-huh. And I, I think we're seeing that show up in a big-time way. That offense wasn't nearly as good as it looked for that four-, five-, six-week stretch. This is the reality of what this team is. The 10-game losing streak, no, they're not that bad. No. But this is about a 500 baseball uh-huh. team. There's a reason that... What was their total before the year? Do you remember? 81 and a half, I want to say. I think it was right around that was 500 Was it right number. around 500? Yeah. That would make sense, because I think the Cardinals were the favorite in the division. The Brewers and the Cubs maybe a joint second favorite? Does that seem yeah, right? Yeah. Pittsburgh obviously was the, uh, was the long shot in the division. Since he was, I mean, there must be a place we can go to and find that, right? Uh, Jersey, this is an article from NewJersey.com, uh, which is what the, um, the Post-Ledger, right? Newark? No, no, Newark Star-Ledger. It's Star-Ledger. Uh, and out there, they had them at 78 and a half is where they opened wow. it in. That was from Bed MGM. Okay, so there's a chance that yeah. you know, that's the team they were supposed to be. This is a 500-ish mm-hmm. team. They are going to be a 500-ish mm-hmm. team. 
depending on who's And you said, and I'm paraphrasing, but after Memorial Day, come talk to us after June, mm-hmm. right? And this is, it's June started well. It did. June started very well. I mean, June the 1st, I think both Chicago teams were in first place, were they not? Yeah. I remember th- I remember that being a talking point on our show, that both of the Chicago teams will begin this month in first place. Now? It's and over. you know what? The, the White Sox don't look like the shiny uh, toy that they did a couple of weeks ago either. Because singing their praise is saying this team can win the World Series. Yeah, I don't know. Not this team we've seen the last no. few weeks. And look at their record against teams that are good. Right. Yeah, it's one thing to beat those up. Those are the teams, by the way, playing October. Right. Beat the Tigers and the Twins. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's pretty easy. And the Royals. Mm-hmm. But when you have to go out and you have to beat the Rays, well, we already saw. Yep. That hasn't gone very well. Mm-hmm. I think they struggled against the Red Sox, if I remember right. I think they played them both in May and June. Had struggles there. The Yankees series, well, are the Yankees a good team? It's kind of another oh, question because yeah. they've had their own set of questions. Yeah, the White Sox, they're going to coast to this division. The Indians, I still wonder if they're going to end up selling. You see Reyes last night. He went off for them. He had a huge performance. He's one of those pieces that can go. They got Be- beat, though, did they not? They did, yeah. yeah. Be- Bieber the high-scoring can- game, I want to Bieber can get healthy. Yeah. They're overall, though the record says, hey, they're still in it. You kind of look at the totality of that team. It just it's very difficult to buy. So White Sox will coast in, but for what? by default, right now they still can get healthy themselves, and that's maybe the saving grace for the White Sox. Yeah, is, they got some really good players. Yeah, they don't need to make trades. No, because they got a couple of heavy hands. Yeah, although Trevor Story wouldn't hurt if you can bring him over. <laughs> and then what? You move Anderson to second, second base, I would guess. Okay. You got to keep him. Yeah, Story's going to play short. Now we put Anderson at second, mm-hmm. um, and your and your team's going to get better. But here's one. Here's a concern about this team: the uh, the the guy at the front of that rotation, Giolito, since the uh, sticky stuff has been uh, outlawed, mm-hmm. he's not been himself. He looks like like Lucas Giolito a couple of years ago. And we remember how bad, bad Lucas. He was. he was the worst starter uh-huh. in baseball, and a lot of people, including this one right here. How does a guy go from the worst starter in baseball spin rate to what we saw the right. last two years? And since spin they rate. started cracking down, take a look at it numbers. It, it coincides with it. And his is down like 250 RPMs, it's, I think. I, it's, a, it's a significant yes. number. Big time. And not just with the slide. It is every single mm-hmm. one of his pitches. And he's not alone. I don't no, want to no. point. Yeah, he's not alone. Um, but, but he's but one of the top yes. kind he's of a poster boys. Yes. Yeah, Absolutely. Maybe Josh Donaldson was on to something. Mm. Now, did I, didn't he get hurt, or did he? I well, probably. He, I, I thought he left the game on the weekend, too. I don't know if he played yesterday. I know that they started yesterday I was watching yesterday, yesterday and six. now that you say that. Well, yeah, because at third, it was uh, Arias was made the final okay, out there. So Donaldson might be out. Shocker. I think he got hurt over the weekend. Well, and Donaldson. You know, because he's rumored to be going to the Mets. Did you see that? But that's a big contract. Well, and that's the thing. So the Twins absolutely could get rid of Josh Donaldson. The question becomes for them... How much to eat. Yes. Mm-hmm. Of the basically $50 million is mm-hmm. remaining. Is it half? If you eat half, you can probably get mm. maybe a couple of B-level prospects. If you eat more, yeah. you're going to get better prospects. Yep. Do you tie things together? And this is a conversation also with the Cubs. Because individually, especially for guys that probably are just going to be a rental. Yeah, Chris Bryant, you trade him to... The Giants. Although Boris said, and I don't know how he's going to try and pull this one off. He said that they he doesn't want to go anywhere that they are not. It's not known up front 
that he's they're going to re-sign him. Well, Scott Boris, that's not the way it works. I know, right? Uh, but he's pretty powerful. He is. Uh, yeah. And, but to the Giants, that, that maybe their long-term plans are not included there. Mm-hmm. So trade value diminishes a little bit. It's because he's just a rental. Do you tie two guys together if you're the Cubs to get a better haul? Uh-huh. We put Bryant together with Craig Kimbrell. Okay. Now there, there's the, you're going to get a haul yeah. if you're able to do that. Though mm-hmm. Bryant is just going to be maybe a two month rental for that team that yeah, does it. Kimbrell's got a two year this right. year. Finish to this one and next. So you get into kind of that part of it too, figuring out what makes most sense trying to get the best haul that you do. The Cubs, they need to completely retool mm-hmm. down on the farm. What about uh, what about in the manager's office? Are they playing hard for him? I know he, he tried. He got kicked out last night. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the umpire was terrible in the game. The just, just, just awful. The home plate umpire, but he was consistently bad. <laughs> yes. So you knew that if the you know you, you, it was Greg Maddox, Tom Glavin, you, you, and these guys didn't deserve it. Um, six inches off the plate, he was he was ringing them up. And Joe West was at first base, and he was embarrassed on a fair foul ball that. I mean the chalk, Trent. <laughs> when the ball hits the the chalk and the chalk boof, boof into the air, it's a pretty good indication that that ball hit the hit the line and it's fair. No, not not good enough for Joe. But uh, so Ross came out, and it was a ball that was called a ball. Mm-hmm. Um, but that was the breaking point for him, and he got tossed out. And I'm, I knew what he's trying to do. He's fed up to ten games at the time. I think it was two apiece. When he got the when he got booted, he was trying to do something for this baseball team, but it but it backfired miserably. Um, but but is David Ross safe? I think so. Do you? Yeah, I, I think it's too early. There's too much talent in that clubhouse for this team to be. Is there that much talent though? Well, not in the starting rotation. No, not at I all. I mean, Davies is good. Davies is okay. Hendricks is good. Yeah, there's one. There's one. Davies okay. Alzali, you buy a stock in him. You're not going to pay a lot, but you buy stock in him. And then the rest, I mean, Jake Arrieta tonight, what's the over-under on him? Does he get out of the third inning? Get out of it? Get out of the third. No. No. Trent, he's been awful. He took the mound in Milwaukee last week with a seven-run lead and and promptly gave it up. Arrieta, if his name was anything other than Jake Arrieta, He'd be designated for assignment. He'd be hanging out with Matt Shoemaker, and he would yeah. be looking for another job. Mm-hmm. But his name is Jake Arrieta. Open his phone rings. And he gets another, gets a little longer leash. That's all it is, because there are good times with him. There are yes. those bright moments. Oh yeah. And it's a guy that people cheered for for a long time. Mm-hmm. So because of that, he gets a longer leash. Like, he shouldn't be a starter for anybody. No, and, not and this one. Can he retool for a bullpen arm late in his career can he do that i don't know it's difficult right it's really really difficult to do that especially a guy that's had as much success as he has to try to do that to go from being a four pitch pitcher mm-hmm. and becoming a two pitch pitcher and making those two pitches elite it's a big step up can Arietta do it at this point in his career no what we've seen this year yeah no the answer's got to be no. trevor williams you're pumped up about him coming Ooh. back i can't do it anyways all right game one of the nba uh, final here tonight uh the suns are favored in the series you, you think back about uh the the sun's path to the championship right mm-hmm. so they started against the lakers they right did. did the lakers have ever anybody out i thought davis missed a couple of games but maybe i'm mistaken he did he missed a game and came back and he was gimpy there and i think that game six okay victory, yeah so the second round they get by the lakers who do they get in the second round the nuggets mm-hmm. jamal murray he did not play no he did not they get by the nuggets who do they get in the third round well here come the clippers 
No Kawhi Leonard. So Davis mm-hmm. out. Um, who uh, Jamal Murray out? Kawhi Leonard out. Giannis <laughs> maybe out. Right. But look at the stars. The best player, arguably now. Now, okay, maybe not on Denver, but Murray's a really good player. Yes. Um, but look at the look at the guys they've been able to. You know, fortunately, and I get it, injuries are part of sports and uh, next man up, dot, dot, dot. But it's been a very, it's been a fortunate run as far as star power on the other team, not being able to answer the bell. So I found this interesting, though, seemingly every year, you know, something like this happens and the path opens up for a team that goes on to make a championship. You can put an asterisk next to anything. So, of course, this year, all the stars that you just Mm -hmm. mentioned. Go back to last year. It was a bubble. And even in the finals for the Lakers... Bam, who was playing really yeah. well for the Heat. He was he, didn't he make the Olympic team? Isn't he part of the Olympic he, team? I think I, he is. And uh, Goran Dracic was also mm-hmm. out for the Heat in that finals. Two years ago, well, Clay Thompson mm-hmm. and also KD were hurt in yeah. that one. 2018, Western oh, Conference the Raptors, Finals. Yeah. Chris Paul got hurt in the Western uh-huh. Conference Finals. How different that could be. Kawhi in 2017-16. Draymond gets suspended for the hmm. low blow. He's along on the Olympic with team, too. Bogut, who was good at... He was a piece at the time, at the very least. He got hurt. 2015, Kyrie and Kevin Long, love both get hurt. 2014, <laughs> now this one might be a stretch. Game one, that was the year that the air conditioning in Miami didn't work. Remember I that? I remember that. Yeah, that was a huge storyline really? of the, the heat, and it was heated up in there. No, I don't yeah, remember that. That one might maybe is a stretch. In 2013, Westbrook got hurt in that season. So it happens a lot. Yeah. It happens. But like, every series... Yeah, I mean, just kind of put it together. Now, it's opened up in a big-time way. So do you give Milwaukee any chance at all? Well, I want to see it go seven games. Do I think it will? No. I think that uh, I think Phoenix is the right side. Look, I think the Chris Paul storyline is really good. I think that that's going to bring... Is that the big storyline in this final? Is Chris Paul finally getting an opportunity to win a championship? Is that it? Yeah. Right? I mean, Booker's a really nice player. Mm-hmm. Um, We're seeing Aiton Williams is a nice story. Grow into mm-hmm. a number one pick. Mm-hmm. Yeah, is he ever going to be the guys that went behind him? Is he going to be Trey Young? Is he going to be Luka Doncic? No. By and, the way, did you see Doncic? What he did for his country in the Olympics? No, he, his team qualified for the Olympics. Where is he from? Serbia. No, I I'm don't guessing. think that's no. it. But re- regardless, uh, Lithuania, maybe. Okay, I think Lithuania. <laughs> <laughs> they showed the highlights of the Slovenia. Slovenia. Um, I don't know where that is, <laughs> but they showed the highlights of of the uh, of of the of the game that propelled them into the Olympics. Trent, it was unbelievable what this guy is doing for the for his country, and it's not lost on me as well. What you know, there's there's it's winning a championship for on your team is one thing. I think. It's it's an equally divided. I mean, what would you rather do? Win an Olympic gold medal for your team or a championship team in your or championship in your sport? Would you rather be as, as, as okay for me? I'll do mm-hmm. I'll do me. Winning an Olympic gold in hockey or winning the Stanley Cup? I've always been I'd rather win Olympic gold and I'm and I'm totally um in the vote on the other end of it, right? Yeah. But there's I think it's like Doncic for for instance. He would much rather win Olympic gold for his country than win um, the the NBA championship. When when you kind of pose it that way, my first thought is, all right, 
whatever sport it is, mm-hmm. and it's basketball. For basketball, it's not close because they're going to win gold medal even if I'm a great player without it. Right. With the U.S. Yeah. So that changes it. Baseball, well, nobody really cares. Yeah, about nobody a, cares right. about Olympic yeah. baseball. So, but then I, I shifted my thinking a little bit. I know your love of your home country mm-hmm. of Canada, and it's very much how us in Iowa love our home state. Mm-hmm. So take that same conversation, and it's not close. Win a national championship for the Hawkeyes, or win a title for whatever it is. The Bears for me, the Twins. Right. It's a it's national. Not even close. It's not even close. No. It's a so maybe it's the same kind of thought process there that you have for your country. That's about the only way because, yeah, U.S. basketball gold medal or being on Team X and winning right. a championship. Right. Yeah, it's an NBA championship for me. It'd be a World Series championship for me. You go the other direction though, go stateside. Yeah, let's win something for the Hawkeyes. You know, just just, just the fact that you know you, you win a championship and there's stuff that comes down from the roof. Mm-hmm. Uh, you win an Olympic gold and you put it up on a pet, on a podium and they sing your song. Yeah, right. And individually, maybe that's different too. Yeah, you think of like wrestlers mm-hmm. and, and that moment, gymnasts doing it. Yes, there's team parts of it, and I understand, but the individual component and being on that and being up there alone and hearing that national anthem. We see it year after year. We see just how much that means to those people when they make it. And it's a culmination of everything, the work that's gone into it. A lot of times, these are minor sports that don't get the notoriety. Sure. But you get to that point. They work sacrifice. just as hard. Yes. <clears throat> right? And you get that chance and to be there and that very poignant moment with the flag being raised at your national anthem. It's, it's incredible. And one of the reasons that the Olympics, they work. Every single time, mm-hmm. it seems like. Mm-hmm. And I think they're going to work again this year. Yeah, I do, too. I, 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 I'm looking uh, very much forward to it. We will give you an opportunity right now. It's time to go for the green on KXNO. Win $1,000 right now by texting the keyword BANK to 200-200. That's BANK to 200-200. You'll get a confirmation text and info. Standard data and message rates apply in this nationwide contest. BANK to 200-200. Scott Dockerman joins the program next. Looking forward to catching up with Doc. Rock Island Independence, the first championship, professional championship in the state of Iowa. I guess they could call it that, right? Of course, yeah. Uh, remember the old Johnny R. Orr stories of him playing for the Waterloo Hawks of the I NBA? I do remember that. Yes, I do remember Look at that. all the professional sports that we've had here in our great state. Well, and the the, uh, the photo in the front of the Athletic of the Peace by Doc, they still got the the ticket windows. Did you see the picture? No. They're all, they're made of brick, and they're they're still standing at the park that the Rock Island Independents used to play their home games. That's excellent. I mean, George Hallis is a part of this piece. Yeah. This is going way, way back to when Hallis is a young guy. It's a really good read. It's long, but it's good. It's historic. Scott Darkerman, who wrote it, will talk about it when we come back. It's Miller and Condon on 1460, KX and Owen 107. Back to Miller and Condon on 1460, KX and Owen 106.3 FM. All right, welcome back, Miller and Condon. Again, the keyword in the 10 o'clock hour, bank, 200-200, bank to 200-200, your chance to win $1,000. Scott Dockerman's been busy. Uh, he was part of, um, I think there was four Iowa football media members, Kakert, Leistakow, Doc, who am I missing? Rob Howe. Rob Howe. 
uh, put together. They they drafted a fantasy team from the Ferentz era. Pretty good exercise, but we'll get to that in a second. Scott Dockerman from The Athletic joins us. Doc, uh, Trent and Ken, trusting you had a good weekend. I w- want to start with your phenomenal piece on... Um, on really history, right, of the, of sports in the state of Iowa in some respects. And, Doc, what I'm struck by in the comments to the piece on the Rock Island Independents who played in the NFL and won a title back in 1919 is how many people who grew up in eastern Iowa and in that part of the Quad Cities, if you will, that had no idea uh, that this ever took place. Great piece, Scott Dockerman. Yeah, thanks so much, Ken. I really appreciate it. And uh, what I would start with is just how um, it it was intriguing to me my whole life. I mean, looking up, even when I was little, I used to look up a lot of the the old uh, NFL standings, and I saw Rock Island Independent. So I always knew they were there. I had no idea anything about them. And and there's really really no markers there. There's no, uh, you know, there's like one guy who's kind of a local historian that kind of celebrates it a bit. But it doesn't really get a lot of traction. So the more I dug into it, the more I found that it was just uh, it was a fascinating slice of of NFL history and therefore American history. Um, and to, to just to see some of the things that I found most fascinating would be, of course, uh, playing the Chicago Bears and how yep. that rivalry was. Uh, then you look at uh, the fact that in the first NFL game they hosted it, you know, and you could kind of play like non conference games because there's so many different uh, in like independent teams but they also held uh they had an african-american that started and played the entire game at end and um just you know they have their series record against the the cardinals which are now in arizona but then we're in chicago and in the green bay packers they have a winning uh record against them so <laughs> it's got a rich history five pro uh, all hall of famers that played for them um it was just it was really fun to dig into it with that, Doc, it's uh, it's really fun to go down these lanes. We were just mentioning the Waterloo Hawks of the NBA. Johnny Orr played for them back, I think, in the 40s. Maybe it was the 50s, regardless. You, know, you kind of have these connections. And the stories that go back there, Papa Bear Hallis, he's a part of it. Hall of Famers that, that are a coach. part of it. What was something, though, that you unearthed that just completely shocked you? What was the one you that opened your eyes more than any? Probably the 1919 season. That uh, when you look back, that they were they held their opponents scoreless in every game but one, and they they lost that game. But then uh, they tried to play the Canton Bulldogs, which were kind of a you know a prominent team back then, and uh, and then how the Canton Bulldogs, which were led by you know uh, Jim Thorpe, uh, who, who needs no introduction, no. And, and Ralph Hay, who uh, you know organized the first meeting of the NFL, how they basically chickened out that they had the opportunity to play but then they saw what rock island had de- done to teams like columbus and akron and said yeah we disbanded our team we're not going to play you after they had already agreed and then that they they actually were going to give them you know up to seven thousand dollars which back then would have been like uh you know seven hundred thousand dollar guarantee or something and uh they still refused to play and uh then both teams kind of claimed the mythical championship back then and uh you know canton is more or less recognized as such by an undefeated record. But let's face it, if they would have played Rock Island the way that they uh, decided not to, to do that, even for a lot of money, um, I think Rock Island would have won. And, and their place in the NFL history might have been a little bit more prominent. 
And you know what uh, struck me, Doc, was um, the, the the ticket price, $2 for a ticket, which on the surface, I mean, 2 bucks, right? But back then, that had to be a lot of money to get into. I mean, when I was reading the piece, I thought maybe, what, it's a quarter to get in or 10 cents, mm-hmm. um, but 2 bucks. Uh, and the, and there's a lot of folks that didn't want the refund when that game was canceled and, and wanted to carry it over. Uh, the picture in the as part of the piece that struck me, because I love old stuff, I love antiques, uh, the ticket booths uh, that are part of the picture uh, to the park where they play, Douglas Park. Were those original, Doc, do you know? Mm-hmm. Wow. Oh, yeah. yeah. That was kind of the lead to my story, that they're the one, that those two ticket booths are the two things left standing from the original uh, time period. And, and like where they played was kind of in the outfield of the semi-pro baseball park, which the Quad City 76ers play at now. And, and so just the, the only relics left are those and it's just kind of interesting because you'd have such a it would for me there there's enough standing around in that area that i think rock island should probably do a better job of promoting it um they have like a vintage game every year where they dress up in the old uniforms and p- compete but like this year it's september 11th um it's a saturday i mean locally here you've got iowa state but you also have college football it's during the pro season uh, that's not going to generate any eyeballs outside of the Quad Cities, and even then, probably very little. So, I, I, I think those ticket booths—they need to do—they uh, need to invest quite a bit of money in there to make it, just make it memorable. Because if so many people in the Quad Cities didn't know about it at all, let alone the details that I tried to describe, um, I think they need to do a better job of educating them and celebrating their history because. It's certainly a prominent piece of, uh, of NFL history. Well, you can learn more at Scott Dockerman's piece at The Athletic and uh, well, about the price of getting in to a game back there, 2 bucks. Hmm. Yeah, you can get some of those deals at The Athletic happening seemingly month after month. With that, Doc, let's jump into, well, not even the here and now, because we're still looking back at history and the Kirk Ferentz era. So, as Ken mentioned, you four, you, Rob Howe, Chad Leistico and Tom Caker got together and put together what turned into a podcast, which turned into an article for you. The All Ferentz team, we talked to Tom on Friday. He said he has the best team. I'm sure <laughs> if we ask Rob or Chad, they'll say the same. And well, we don't even need to ask you. You had the best team. But your takeaway, which was a very fun exercise and a very long listen. People had long Fourth of July drives. They were able to pump out a lot of miles listening to you guys talk. Yeah, there was. It was. It was a lot of fun. It really was. I mean, we were able to. You, you kind of go through, and you, you notice right away um, the tiers of players, and that there's a, a, a huge upper tier. Like, because we did offense and defense, we didn't mix them together. We just kind of uh, did them in two separate takes. And um, you know, you, there there's so many really good players, and then there's a little bit of a drop off, and then there's others. Uh, you know, there's position priority. I know I really placed a high premium on defensive linemen and cornerbacks and on defense and, uh, and it just kind of the general fun of, and then we were kind of reliving some of the moments with, uh, some of these players. And I, I know one that kind of cracked me up was I think the first linebacker I took was Pat Anger. And I said, well, I'm the one celebrating here because I'm not the one that's going to get punched in the face <laughs> <laughs> from Pat when Pat sees all you guys. Uh, but, uh, this was, you know, a couple of things that I think I, I learned from it is one, um, you know, there's there's definitely a quartet of quarterbacks that seemingly stand out, and one of and it doesn't include Nate Stanley, and I think mm-hmm. uh, that's not really a surprise. But you do look at Nate's statistics, and you think, wow, I mean, he's thrown for the 13th most touchdowns in a Big Ten history with 68. 
uh, won three straight bowl games, and yet he doesn't crack the top four. Um, you know, there's kind of a, a glut of different um, wide receivers and, and running backs that just can't cra- uh, break through. And, uh, you know, I, I think generally that um, – it just shows the depth that Iowa's had over this 20-year period, 20-plus year period. And, um, and there, yeah, there's going to be all kinds of fun discussions along the way as to who won and who didn't. You know, there's a couple of names, Doc, uh, on this list that uh, what if, right? Um, obviously on the offensive side of the ball, Tony Moyaki, I, I thought he was going to be an absolute star in injuries, even in his college days. Uh, he just couldn't stay healthy. And the other one is Drew Watt. I would have loved to have seen Drew Watt uh, get a legitimate chance at the, at, at the NFL, and injuries never allowed him to do that. So those two, and it's a list really, I mean, just the players on this list and the NFL careers, a lot of them have had, uh, but those were two. Moyaki certainly should have been amongst the, you know, the, all the great tight ends that we're now talking about that, uh, that played at the University of Iowa. I think he would have been on, uh, part of that list, very high up at that list with the Dallas Clarks, with the Kittles now. Obviously, I think Fant and Hawkinson are on the come, and I'm sure I'm missing some. But Drew Watt was a name to me that I would wish he would have been able to, you know, to get there and see what kind of an impact he would have played on Sundays. Sure, absolutely. You know, Drew Watt was, you know, that just that he was. Uh, it, it was a shame to see what happened to him because he did have those opportunities. Those he had the ability to get there. He had the ability to be a mid-round draft pick probably you know maybe even third round second round and possibly uh really had if he would have been in the nfl i think if he was healthy he'd still be in the nfl he was good enough would he have been a pro bowler i don't know i I think he's probably in that you know maybe the chauncey golston area where he's uh, a really good quality starter and and uh you know the quality player for a team and um, yeah, that the what if there is, is a killer. I would say, you know, Moyaki was probably at the next level. Certainly, more even more of a what if because he had immense talent. Mm-hmm. I think of the of the tight ends, you know, in all honesty, I think he had the most talent out of any of them. Mm-hmm. He was a bona fide five star by by twenty four seven, and uh, just had and possessed everything you would want, every skill you would want. And then one other that was kind of on the uh, discussion list and didn't make it was Jake Doozy. Um, I wrote about him last yeah. year, and he's just – he also would have been a, a great NFL player. And even three years after all of his injuries, he got drafted by that uh, – uh, what was it, the AAC or whatever the, the league was, the uh, a, the the amateur – or not the amateur, the, the professional football league in the spring, got drafted by the Birmingham franchise and just had to eventually shut it down because – but, he you know, he probably had the best speed out of anybody, and that includes George Kittle. So – those three in particular, you think, what if, especially on the next level. Going through the defense and just the stars, one thing, though, that jumped out to me, so many defensive linemen, so many defensive backs, but the linebacker group, really outside of Chad Greenway. Mm-hmm. You know, Christian Kirksey's carved out a nice career, yeah, but not the same kind of success as those other two position groups. Any theory, any reason behind that, Doc, in your mind? Well, yeah, that's that's interesting. I mean, I think you look, First, you look at kind of overall speed, and at the next level, speed is what is essential to to being able to play that position. Now, I mean, it's not girth; it's not two hundred forty-five pounds playing, you know, smash mouth football. And and I I wouldn't say that there's a you know there's not a downgrade at, at that position group by any stretch, but it's not as important as getting a pass rush and be able to cover the pass. I mean, you want 
if if you need a premium player, it's a defensive end, it's a cornerback, or even a defensive tackle. Uh, for yeah, and so I think when you look at Iowa's guys, uh, you know they've had some quality NFL players. I think Anthony Hitchens is one. He's been in there for a long time. He's mm-hmm. won a Super Bowl, started in another. Um, you know the Neemans. You know Ben Neeman has, has played in a couple of Super Bowls. Greenway's the one that's had kind of lasting power because he went to a couple Pro Bowls. Uh, you know, uh, my this uh, Kirksey, as you said, has, has been a really good player, but not maybe an elite player. And, uh, and injuries have played a, a role there. So I, I think that's that's probably fair because uh, considering Iowa's just done a really good job of building a lot of their then developing a lot of their line play. And maybe not, you know, getting those top prospects at the linebacker level that I think is is probably impacted a, a little bit at the NFL. Who's the most dominant player at his position on this list? I know my guy would be. I'm anxious to see if you guys come up with the same one. Most dominant Bob in the standard. Yeah, I mean, with defensive player of the year, right? I, I didn't choose him. That's a really good. That's one. my guy, and it's more than anything. It's the the quote that lives in infamy with me. When Kirk said, and I'm just paraphrasing here, Scott, maybe you have it, but it's like when your brother shows up. Yep, it's when your big brother shows up to the street fight because he changed Iowa football. Mm -hmm. Whose years can you get something different? Marshall Yonder. Marshall Yonder. NFL player. Yeah, that's what I mean. Second team, all Big Ten. Yeah, think about that. (laughs) Right. Well, yeah, and Marshall was. uh, you know he was he was unfortunate on and he was on a team that finished six and seven at Iowa. Yeah. Um, he's obviously at the next level. Right. Was the best player of the Ferentz era, I think. You know because I think he is. I mean he was a, a unanimous player of the decade in the mm-hmm. 2010s, which pretty much certifies you as a Hall of Famer. Right. And I don't know that anybody else gets in. I mean it's such a difficult standard to reach, but uh, at Iowa, and that's how we tried to do it. I mean Chad kind of went with more NFL-ish than I did even. Mm-hmm. I tried to keep it more to Iowa. Uh, and uh, I, Bob Sanders was the most important player of the Ferentz era. Yep. He would have been drafted number one if it would have been in a co- uh, combined offensive-defensive draft. Set the tone, set the tempo, set mm-hmm. it. Everything he did, practice, workout, everybody tried to match what he did because he did it, uh, uh, you know, 100% easier, you know, uh, you know, the whole time. And so everybody from Chad Greenway to Jonathan Babineau to, to Sean Considine, everybody watched him work out and felt they had to compete as hard as he did. And then it elevated a defense to be one of the probably the top defenses in the Big Ten over the last 20 years. Scott Docterman from The Athletic. Doc, uh, you had a busy week. Uh, you keep pumping out that content uh, through terrific reads. I'm glad you guys got together that quartet of Iowa media uh, that uh, did the exercise that we we're just talking about uh, and, and your piece on the Rock Island NFL history. It, it was great. It really was. It's a long read. How long did it take you, Doc, to put it together? Oh, my. It took me... Uh... It took me quite a while. I mean, with pieces like that, what I'll do this time is probably back in January, mm. I started researching it. And I spent, you know, a day or two, not 24 hours of a day, but a couple hours each day, you know, really just looking back at some of the stories, seeing if it was worth taking that next step and, and putting forth the effort to, to do that. And, and, I, and so I would say that almost exclusively over the last week, it was probably at least a 40-hour project. And then wow. you throw in some of the other things and then to top it off, I could feel a book in the middle and I had to use this old laptop that it took forever and slow. It was just this 
monster. But uh, you know, after it's it's over, you know, you feel kind of you feel accomplished. In this case, it was probably more so just simply because it was like a you know the analogy, and I won't say it's physical, but the analogy you use is it's it's kind of like uh, giving birth, and that's the labor process. <laughs> and uh, don't tell me about the labor; just show me the baby. But you know, of course, I will not compare that to a <laughs> physical pain. Because it won't go well. Yeah, uh, it won't my go wife well. Won't let me <laughs> yeah. <put> that one down. <laughs> uh, your piece last year on Karis, you followed that up. I think almost a year to the day with this piece on the Rock Island Independence. Can't wait for what you got coming out July 2022. No pressure, Scott Darkerman. Uh, great piece, great read. Thank you for coming on. Uh, we will uh, talk to you next week, Doc. Well done. All right. Thanks, guys. Appreciate you having me on. Thank you, Scott Dockerman. Uh If you haven't read it, if you don't subscribe, uh, again, there's always, as Trent said, mentioned deals mm-hmm. uh, seemingly monthly uh, to uh, to join the ever-growing list of subscribers at The Athletic, and I hope it stays the same. I know that there's some rumors out there that New York Times is yeah. was uh, kicking the tires on purchasing and apparently is backed out. And that, that's kind of alarming. Um, well, and you look at New York Times once owned Vox, and then SB Nation oh, was a part of that. Did they? I didn't know that. Did they? Yeah. Own? Wow. Uh, then there was a lot of cuts that came out of that. So, by speaking of the cuts, the Chicago Tribune's got like a third left. Once they were bought by that, uh, one the hedge fund that mm-hmm. bought them, just just brutal. Speaking of media wars, how about the Rachel Nichols Marie Taylor? Yes, story? that's a year old. Did you know that? I not until I read it in the New York Times. Likewise, and I had read my full uh, monthly. Well, I didn't read it in the Times. Yeah. Where did, I don't remember. Where... So I had to do the make a fake email account, sign in that way, <laughs> go incognito mode because I just wanted to read the whole thing. Yeah, and, yeah. And we got the first paragraph, and I'm seeing everybody talk about it. Well, that's what you got to do sometimes. Not good. No, it's not good. It's not a good look. Did you see her apology, Rachel Nichols, yesterday? I did. Um, Well crafted. It was. I I kept waiting for the, there's a base hit to left. (laughs) Tom Brenneman. (laughs) Yes. In the middle of his. Um, You you can't. No. It's a year old. Mm -hmm. How did they keep it under wraps that long? It's a great question. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. We'll take a timeout, come back and finish the hour. Matt Snyder, a lot of baseball conversation coming up. Matt Snyder will go around uh, the majors with Matt and then uh, Randy Wayho from the Iowa Cubs. They are back home. They've got a big naturalization ceremony. There will be a number of people who woke up this morning as citizens from another country but will go to bed as American citizens tonight. Pretty cool. Miller and Condon, 1460 KX01. Really clean until it's zero res clean. Welcome back. Less than three weeks, NFL training camps will be open, Trent. Ooh, I like the sounds of that. Doesn't that sound good? Yeah. Sounds so good. We made it, man. Well, we're not quite there yet, but we're inching our way to it every single day. All-star break next week. I saw that. Otani's going to pitch and uh, hit. Love it. That's something, right? This is, this is pretty special, what he's doing right now. If, um, what, what? I mean, Babe Ruth came into the league like that, too, right? Mm-hmm. We didn't see that, but that's his history. But then he saw pitching. Right. Is that going to be Otani's case? Because he he's so gifted with the bat in his hand. I mean, at least the majors. How old is he? 27 or 8. By the time he gets to 32? Well, maybe he... even before that. Yeah. you got to have that bat in the lineup. 
I mean, as good as he is every because he didn't pitch every fifth days, and didn't it wasn't good the last time out, right? But um, the Angels struggle so much for pitching. That's true. That's true. They need maybe arms more than they even yeah. need bats. They need something that franchise because yeah. they got two the two most well two of the most exciting players in the game, and year in and year out, they just don't matter. Tony pitches tonight. I just looked. Trout, uh, he's got to be getting close to back, doesn't he? Um, don't know. Uh, last update, he's on my fantasy team. Another reason that I'm wondering. Mm-hmm. Uh, he did hit on the field yesterday, so a back happening there. Looking like still multiple weeks away from a return. They say though. Yeah. We're going to be a while. Uh, we will talk more baseball to kick off our number two, Matt Snyder, from CBSSports.com. Is tonight the night of that golf event? It is, isn't it? Is it tonight or I tomorrow? I think it is. Oh, I thought it was tomorrow for whatever reason. Well, Mal, maybe you got me thinking. Maybe you are right. At the 7th and 8th? No, I don't know. Now we got to check. Uh, we'll let you know to kick <laughs> off the hour. So uh, that's a good... Stay not, right there. It's not a good tease, Trent, but I hope you stick around because <laughs> we'll talk baseball. One hour to go, 1460 KXNO, 106.3 FM.